Chapter 1, Part 4 of Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book 9, by Cyril of Alexandria. Translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 1617. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive. For it beholdeth him not, neither knoweth him. Ye know him, for he abideth with you, and shall be in you. He mingles once more the human with the divine, and neither reverts to the pure glory of the Godhead, nor yet altogether confines his range within the limits of humanity, but traverses both, wondrously and at the same time indistinguishably too, forasmuch as he is at once both God and man. For he was God by his nature, inasmuch as he was the fruit of the Father and the effulgence of his essence. And again he was man, inasmuch as he has become flesh. Accordingly he speaks as God, and at the same time as man. For after this manner it was possible to preserve duly such forms of language as befitted the dispensation in flesh. Notwithstanding, while we are searching for the meaning of the passage before us, we say this, that at this point also of necessity our Lord has introduced the mention of God the Father, for the building up of their faith, and for the exceeding profit of the hearers, as indeed the argument will demonstrate as it proceeds. For when he bade us ask in his name, and revealed, along with the other truths, a manner of praying unused among the ancients, promising withal even very earnestly that he will give whatsoever things we wish to receive, with intent that he might not seem thereby to thrust aside the person of God the Father, nor yet to curtail the power of him who begat him, the power, I mean, of satisfying the aspirations of the saints, he said that the Father would be a co-supplier for our profit, and would join in bestowing on us the paraclete, adding also the words, I will ask, as man, and referring peculiarly to the whole divine and unspeakable nature what befits it especially, as in the person of God the Father. For this was his custom, as we have oftentimes said already in the foregoing parts of this work. Another paraclete, however, is the name he gives to the spirit that proceeds from the essence of God the Father and from that of himself. For the kind of the essence is the same in the case of both, not excluding the spirit, but allowing the manner of his distinctness to be understood as lying solely in his being and subsisting in a separate personality. For the spirit is not a son, but we will accept in faith verily and properly to be and to subsist as that which he is, for he is the spirit of the Father and of the Son. But the Son, knowing that he himself also both is in truth a paraclete, and is so named in the sacred writings, he calls the spirit another paraclete, not on the ground that the Spirit can skill to effect in the saints something else perchance more than what he also can, whose Spirit he both is and is called, and that the Son also himself both was named and is a paraclete, 
john will bear record in his own compositions when he says these things say i unto you that ye may not sin and if any man sin we have a paraclete with the father jesus christ the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sins so jesus calls the spirit another paraclete willing him to be conceived of as possessing the attributes of a proper personality albeit having so close a likeness to himself and able so to work in exact correspondence what things soever he himself might haply work as that he might seem to be the son himself and no whit different for he is his spirit and indeed jesus called him the spirit of truth saying also in the discourse before us that he is himself the truth but any one will naturally say to those who suppose the son alien to the essence of god the father how is it pray that the father gives the spirit of truth that is of the son not as foreign or alien but as his own spirit notwithstanding that according to you he has the kind of his essence distinct from that of the son and for of this there is no question the spirit is the son's and once more how is it if it be so that the son is of another essence that he gives the spirit of the father as his own for it is written that he breathed on his disciples saying receive ye the holy ghost so then will not a man suppose and very rightly or rather will he not be even firmly convinced that the son being essentially partaker of the natural excellences of god the father has the spirit after the same manner as the father also would be understood to have him that is not as something added or from without for it were simple or rather mad to hold such an opinion but as each of us has within himself his own breath and pours it forth without from the inmost parts of his body for indeed it was for this cause that christ breathed on them even bodily showing that as the breath proceeds bodily from the human mouth so also from the divine essence the spirit from him is in god-befitting manner poured forth forasmuch then as he is the spirit both of god the father and of the son how can it be but that the power they thus possess at once in division and in conjunction will be altogether one for the father is a father and not a son and the son is a son and not a father notwithstanding the father is in the son and the son in the father moreover it is not the father separately by himself or the son separately by himself who gives the paraclete or the holy spirit but rather he is supplied to the saints from the father through the son for indeed on this account we must understand that when the father is said to give the son also gives through whom are all things and that when the son is said to give the father also gives of whom are all things but that the spirit is both divine and not of another essence in reference i mean to the father and the son is i imagine doubtful to no one who is right-minded and furthermore a necessary argument will convince us thereof 
For if a man say that the spirit is not of the essence of God, how then henceforward would the creature in receiving the spirit be a partaker of God? And after what manner shall we be entitled temples of God? And be so, if we receive a created or an alien spirit, and not rather that which is of God. And how are those who have a share of the spirit partakers of the divine nature, according to the words of the sacred writers, if he is in the number of things that are made, and does not rather proceed for us from the divine nature itself, not passing through it unto us as something foreign to it, but, so to speak, becoming in us a certain quality of the Godhead, and dwelling in the saints, and remaining for ever. As he does, if by cleansing the eye of their understanding by all goodness, and by unyielding earnestness in the pursuit of every virtue, they preserve the grace in their hearts. For Christ says that the Spirit is uncontainable and invisible for them that are in the world, that is, for those that savor the things in the world, and choose to love the things that are on earth, yet that he is containable and easily beheld by the saints. For what reason? They who have an uncleanness hard to be washed out of them, and who have filled their own mind, as it were, with some unhealthy humor, do not narrowly consider the beauty of the divine nature, nor yet accept the law of the Spirit, forasmuch as they are wholly tyrannized over by the passions of the flesh. Whereas the good and sober, keeping their heart free from the evils that are in the world, voluntarily induce the paraclete to dwell within themselves, and after receiving him keep him, and, so far as it is attainable by men, behold him spiritually, winning therefrom something large and great and enviable for their prize. For he will sanctify them, and will make them at once fulfiller of all good things, and will release them from the shame of man-befitting slavery, and will endue them with the prerogative of the adoption of sons. And Paul will bear witness to this, saying, And because ye are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 18. I will not leave you desolate. I come unto you. Of necessity, our Lord Jesus the Christ at this point finishes the discourse touching the holy and consubstantial trinity, for he is already shown before, setting forth both words and facts for assurance unto them that love him, both that he is in his nature God, and is begotten of God the Father, and is of equal might and like mind with him. For to this end he also at one time said, What I speak, I speak not from myself. And at another time again, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do them, though ye believe not me, believe my works. But besides these things, it was in no small measure needful also that men should receive the right and irreproachable doctrine with reference to the Holy Spirit himself for so might the minds of his hearers be directed wholly unto rightness of faith. Therefore I will set forth in few words what Christ teaches us by the passage before us. By saying that another shall be sent unto us from God the Father, he once more, in accordance with his careful and wise plan, renders the expression of the faith secure. 
for it was only likely that some, not rightly understanding what was said, would think that he meant that the Holy Spirit was not of the essence of God, as in fact some of the witless did suppose, but that he was in his nature something different. For to say another, among the more ignorant sort at least, might carry the appearance of some such ground for its use. So with intent to exhibit clearly that he does not wish the kind of distinctness which the Spirit possesses to be understood in any other way, save solely in virtue of his being in a peculiar and proper sense that which his name implies. For the Spirit is a Spirit, and not a Son, even as the Son is a Son, and not a Father. After saying that the paraclete shall be sent forth, he promises that he will come himself, showing that the Spirit is not something other than what he is himself, forasmuch as he is a proper spirit proceeding from the Father, and is conceived of as the Son's, and for this cause is also called his mind. For example, Paul says, signifying with all this very thing, But we have the mind of Christ. So then, understanding the matter rightly and without all error, and rejecting as ungainly all perversion in any direction contrary to what is reasonable, and following the words of the inspired scripture, we say that he is not something different from the Son so far as regards natural identity, but the same, yet with characteristics both distinct and personal. For so understanding it, I imagine, the inspired Paul also oftentimes mingles them and introduces either as identical with the other, the paraclete, I mean, and the Son. For thou wilt find him saying, But if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And again directly after, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of the sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Hearest thou how he expressly confesses that they have Christ to have received his Spirit? And he says also in another place, for I think that I also have the Spirit of God. And he who spake this unto us also says, If ye seek a proof of Christ that speaketh in me, and oftentimes prays that in us also who have believed, Christ may dwell by faith, howbeit himself receiving the Holy Spirit. And let no one suppose that we say that he annuls the fixity of name or person in respect of each, or that he says that the Son is not a Son, but a Spirit, or at least that he does not know the Spirit as Spirit, but says he is a Son. This was not the aim in his mind, and indeed neither do we so believe. For he knows how to count the persons of the holy and coessential Trinity, and teaches that each of the persons signified subsist in his proper distinctness, notwithstanding he proclaims clearly that the Holy Trinity is fixed in absolute identity. How else can it be that the Spirit is and is called God? For do ye not know, he says, that ye are a temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? But if, forasmuch as the Spirit dwelleth in us, we are made temples of God, how can the Spirit not be of God, that is to say, of His essence, 
whereas he makes God to dwell in us through himself. So then, by way of showing that the Spirit is not alien from his own nature, the only begotten, having said that the paraclete is being sent forth from the Father for the saints, promises that he will come himself and fill the place of a father, to the end that they be not found like some orphans, destitute of the assistance of one to stand forth for them, and for this cause be found henceforth easy to be taken in the snares of the devil, and exceedingly easily assailed by the offenses in the world. For all they may be many and come as of necessity, by reason of the ungovernable madness of them that bring them to pass. So then for a shield and an irrefragable security unto our souls, the Father has given the Spirit of Christ to fulfill in us his grace and presence and power. For it were impossible for a man's soul to effect aught that is good, or to have power over its own passions, or to escape the great subtlety of the snare of the devil if it were not fortified by the grace of the Holy Spirit, and had not Christ himself by reason thereof within itself. And, indeed, the inspired psalmist, composing for us through the wisdom that was in him his thanksgivings on this behalf, cried aloud unto God, Lord, thou didst crown us as with a shield of favor. Meaning by a shield of favor, nothing else than the Holy Spirit who shields us, and constrains us, by gifts of unexpected strength, to the fulfilling of the good pleasure of God. And so he promises that none the less he will be present and will help, through the Spirit, them that believe on him, albeit he ascend into the very heavens, after his revival from the dead, now to appear in the presence of God for us according to the words of Paul. 19. Yet a little while, and the world beholdeth me no more. But ye behold me, because I live, ye shall live also. Now that the passion is close at hand, and brings along with it the moment of his assumption, he says that he will be invisible to the world, that is, to them that value the enjoyment of things temporal before the divine blessings, and set more store by earthly things than by heavenly. And by way of making our belief to the end thereof kindred and consistent with what has been already said above, we shall be right in saying that God the Father has given the paraclete, that is to say, the Holy Spirit, of course through the Son, for all things are through him from the Father. Notwithstanding he has come, not on all indiscriminately, both evil and good, but on them on whom it was fitting he should go forth. For so far forth as touches the most rich and unstinted grace of the giver, no man of all in the earth remained a non-partaker. For I will pour out, he says in the prophets, of my spirit on all flesh, yet each man is unto himself an accessory cause of his possessing or else wholly failing to get the god-given blessing for some men because that in no wise do they strive to cleanse their own mind by all goodness but love exceedingly to dwell in the evils in the world shall abide non-partakers of the divine grace and shall not see christ in themselves forasmuch as they have a heart void of the spirit 
For this cause, albeit they range on the side of the protector of the orphans, they are torn in pieces by simply everything that is strong enough to overreach, be it a passion or a devil, or yet any other worldly lust, and by everything that can drag them down, as it were, and overpower them unto sin. Howbeit, unto the holy, and them that were purposed to receive him, he said, as was likely he would, forasmuch as they were going to endure none of those ills, I will not leave you orphans, I am coming unto you. And so he says he shall be invisible, and wholly unbeheld by them that mind the things in the world, after his departure hence, I mean his ascension into heaven. But, he says, he will be found visible unto the holy, forasmuch as the Holy Spirit is putting a certain divine and spiritual flash in the eyes of their heart, and sowing therein all good knowledge. For we shall either suppose that this is what he means by, Yet a little while, and the world beholdeth me no more, but ye behold me. Or else, turning aside to a different point of view, especially when there is intertwined with his words the saying, Because I live, ye shall live also. We reason somewhat on this wise. For after his revival from the dead, when he had effected for our nature the return unto that whereunto it existed from the beginning, and had made man incorruptible, he ascended, as it were by way of firstfruits, and in the temple of his own body first, unto God the Father in heaven. But after in the meanwhile accomplishing a short time, he will descend again, as we believe, and will return again unto us, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels, and will set up the appalling tribunal before all men, both evil and good. For all created things shall come to judgment. And rendering becoming awards, corresponding to the life each one has led, he will say to them on the left, that is to say, to those that have minded the things in the world, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Howbeit to them on the right, that is to say, to the holy and good, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For they shall be with Christ, and shall reign with him, and shall revel in the heavenly blessings, having been made conformable to his resurrection, and escaped the meshes of the ancient corruption, being endued with the long and ineffable life, and living endlessly with the ever-living Lord. For that they who have practiced a life dear to God and exalted shall be with Christ without ceasing, to it, contemplating his divine and unspeakable beauty. Paul will make clear where he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we that are alive, that are left, shall together with them be caught up in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And again, to them that have chosen to mortify worldly passions. For ye died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, 
then shall ye also with him be manifested in glory so for i will sum up the meaning of the lord's saying the lovers of the evil things in the world shall go down to hades and be banished from the presence of christ howbeit there shall be with him and dwell with him for ever the lovers of virtue they who have kept inviolate the earnest of the spirit and being with him of a surety they shall also behold his divine beauty without all hindrance for he says the lord shall be thine eternal light and god thy glory and it is also likely that this is what the lord means to make manifest when we hear him saying yet a little while and the world beholdeth me no more but ye behold me because i live ye shall live also howbeit in no wise will he speak falsely in saying that the time intervening before his revelation as it were is a little while for to god who always is even what is a long time with us counts utterly for nothing and the psalmist will testify this when he says for a thousand years in thy sight o lord are but as yesterday that is past and a watch in the night End of chapter 1, part 4